The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I know some of you will doubt the story because it's almost too perfect. I promise you it's a true story. In fact, someone was watching this story as I told it on a video in his store, and he was commenting to his wife saying, do you think Brisky made this up? She's saying, I don't know, does he make up stories? You think he makes them up? I don't know, it's too... In the meantime, a customer comes in and they're arguing over price over a particular piece of jewelry. They're negotiating whatever. Where are you from? He says, I'm from Agora Hills. And they say, Agora Hills, you know Rabbi Brisky? I, I know him quite well. Anyway, they're talking and they say, well, we just watched the story. And they start telling him the story. He says, that's about me. He was the character of the story. So if you doubt my story, he'll come visit you. All right. It was a group of rabbinic students flew in to help us take care of the junior congregation for the high holidays. In our community, high holidays moves into a Hyatt hotel. We get over a thousand people that join us and a lot of kids. So we fly in a bunch of these rabbinic students from Crown Heights. The Shabbos in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, they're staying at one of my Balabatim's homes, one of the homes in Agura. And as they come to the house after davening, they see a moving truck next door. And the moving truck has the words on it, Nice Jewish Boys Moving Company. It's the name of a moving company in California. So, if you are the mindset, perhaps, of traditional Orthodox Judaism, and you see a truck that says, Nice Jewish Boys Moving Company, and it's Shabbos, your initial reaction would be, fair. I'm just giving you a simple class of understanding the differences in the, in the sects. If you are a Chabad Chassid, you see nice Jewish boys moving company and it's Shabbos. What does that tell you? Opportunity. Customers. It's just a different way of looking at the same truck. So these guys, this group of Bachrim, they go over to the guys and they say, you guys Jewish? A bunch of strong Israelis, they say, yeah, they say, Trevor, you're working hard. Why don't you take a break, come in, have some cholent, have some kugel, have a lachayim, and then you'll go back. The guys look at each other, they say, sure. And they go into this house, they're sitting around the Shabbos table. I come by to visit my bachram, I'm introduced to these strong guys. I start asking them about where you're going for Yom Kippur, they don't have a place, come join us. Sure, we'll be there. They start singing songs, having a great time. In the middle, one of them says, uh-oh. What's the uh-oh? The guy moving in next door just pulled up, and we're drinking on the job. So one of the guys, who's my nephew, who now lives in Scottsdale, Arizona, Yassi Brisky, says, I'll take care of it. He runs out, car parks, and he's standing there as the guy gets out, and he says, hi, welcome to the neighborhood. The guy's a little startled. He's there with his eight-year-old girl. And he says, excuse me, you happen to be Jewish? And the fellow looks up and he says, yeah, not only am I Jewish, I am the choir conductor and the music conductor in this reformed temple in the valley. So again, in the mindset of traditional Orthodox Judaism, someone plays music in a reformed temple on Shabbos? Chabad Chassid, wow, can you teach us some Shabbos songs? Different way of looking at it. So Jack and Megan 
are brought in and introduced to their movers, and they're they're sitting around the Shabbos table, and Jack knows songs, and he's singing away, and it's beautiful. They stay the entire Shabbos until Havdalah. Havdalah, matov umana. Jack was living it up. It was wonderful. It was a great experience. And then after Shabbos, they continued to unload the truck. The next day, there's a note under my office door. And it says the following. It says, I want you to know that God works through you. That's all it said. God works through you. I was intrigued by this very strange note from this new friend, Jack. He had his phone number there on the note, so I called him up. And I said, thanks for the note, but what does it mean? He said, I don't know if you're the type of rabbi that believes in God or not, because I've met <laughs> I met both times. So, so this may sound silly to you, because it sounded silly to, to my rabbi. I don't want you to laugh at me, but before I got into my car to come to my new house in Agora Hills, I turned to God and I said to him, if this is the right thing for me, send me a sign the moment I come to a guru. I open my door and a fellow is there and he says, welcome to a guru. Excuse me, are you Jewish? Why don't you sing some Shabbos songs for us? Now, I don't know other way God could have possibly sent me a sign, so I don't know who you guys are, what you're doing here. I just want you to know that God worked through you. I was, it was a great story. So I got up Yom Kippur, and I tell this as my sermon. This is the way we need to treat people. We welcome them in. We don't chase them away. It's a perfect sermon, teaching the beauty of the Jewish soul. As I'm telling the story, the back row jumps up. It's my Israeli movers. They're there. Wow. This was really scoring. This was a great sermon. I even had the props in the audience. Okay. Postscript. I give a class on faith and suffering. I gave it a few years ago here at the JLI. It's a very difficult, emotional, gut-wrenching class. We talk about a lot of pain that people experience in life. And when I give it in a guru, it's usually filled with people that have gone through some suffering in their life. And that particular year, as I'm giving it, my new neighbor friend who started coming to classes at Chabad, he's sitting in the front row and he's crying the entire class. As soon as the lecture is over, he runs up on stage and he just falls on my shoulders. And I said, do you, do you want to talk? And he said, yeah. We went to my office, and he says, look, there's a part of my life I haven't shared with you. You see, a year before I moved to Agura, my wife and I, we had three children. Two of our three children were in a car accident and died. He said, I couldn't deal with the pain. I couldn't deal with the suffering. I couldn't cope with the loss. I couldn't deal with God. I was angry at him. I hated living. I couldn't walk back into a temple. I went into a deep, deep depression. I went from therapist to therapist. No one could help me. I lost my job. And then I lost my wife. She left me. She took Megan with her. 
They moved out, and now I was alone. And every single day it became darker and darker. The sun never came out for me. It was just pure darkness. And I decided that it's time for me to say farewell to this miserable world. I'm just going to leave. Commit suicide, and I wasn't scared of it. In fact, to me, it would be a relief. The only thing I wanted to do is I wanted to say goodbye to my daughter. I wasn't going to tell her my plans, but I was going to take her out one night and say goodbye, and that night end my life. So I called my ex, and I said I'd like to take Megan out to the movies. And she said, okay. And I chose a movie theater in Simi Valley in a shopping center called the Mountain Gate Plaza Shopping Center. I come into the mall, and I hear music. Now, that mall is always empty. And as I get closer, I recognize the music. It's Jewish music. I know Jewish music. That's what I play. And then I see right at the entrance of the movie theater, there's a menorah there. It was Hanukkah that night, and there was a Hanukkah party going on right in front of a movie theater in Simi Valley. And before I know it, someone grabs my hand and starts dancing with me around a menorah. And there I am, clutching my daughter's hand, dancing around a menorah on the very night that I chose to end my life. And with each circle around the menorah, I felt God speaking to me, saying, there will be more celebration in your life. There will be light in your life. The flames of the menorah with its flickering was telling me, there's yet light, there's yet dance. Stick around. Don't leave. I went home that night and didn't kiss my daughter goodbye because I decided to stay. I went back to therapy. I got out of my depression. I got my job back. I started rebuilding my life. And I decided then that maybe I need a new community, a new home. I called a real estate agent and I said, find me a new community to move to. I don't care where. He picked Agora Hills. He found me a house. And Rabbi, the day that I moved, I turned to God and I said, if it was you in the Mountain Gate Plaza shopping center that night talking to me, please send me a sign when I come to Agora that you're watching over me. That's my story. I'm listening to this and I'm saying, one second, Jerk. I reach over to the bookcase there where I have photo albums and I start racing through my Hanukkah photo albums. Mountain Gate Plaza Shopping Center. And I find a photo of me dancing with Jack that night around the menorah in Simi Valley, California. I remember that night because each year we've decided that we're going to light a menorah in another shopping center in another city. That year we picked Simi Valley. Why? Why not? That's the way we make decisions. No boards. Why not? So we, we need a, a shopping center if you're going to do it there. So we call 411 and we say, can I have the phone number of the shopping center in Simi Valley of the mall? And she says, which one? The one, the, the shopping mall. She says, you mean the Mountain Gate Plaza shopping center? Yeah, that's the one. That's the way we do things. The flyer is being designed, Chabad, Hanukkah, at the Mountain Gate Plaza shopping center. It's already designed. We're putting labels on. Oh, maybe we should call them and ask them. We call them and we say, we'd like to do a Hanukkah program. And the lady says, you sure? We say, yeah. 
You sure? Okay. No problem. You want to do a Hanukkah program in our mall? Yeah? Okay. No problem. So we book the clown and the band and the balloons and everything. And we show up at the Mountain Gate Plaza shopping center that night only to find out then, because we did such advanced planning, that it was a mall going totally out of business, that every store had already closed down. It was going to be demolished. And the only thing still left open in that mall was a movie theater. There were no people that night in the Mountain Gate Plaza shopping center. That's why she kept on saying, you're sure? We were saying, yeah, we're sure. We had no people. We had a clown. We had a band. We even had balloons, but we didn't have people. So we picked up our menorah and we decided we're going to park it right in front of a movie theater. And anyone that dares walks in to go to the movies tonight is first going to have to dance around the menorah so that we don't feel totally stupid. I came home that night saying, wow, what a failure. What a bad night this was. We really bombed. There are no ordinary days in God's master plan. May Hashem Mitzadegover God maps it out. We were there for a reason because God wanted us there to be there at that particular moment, at that particular place to seize the moment. My friends, there are divine providence that goes on every single day of your life. There are the same stories that happened with the Utah rabbi, with Jack in the Mountain Gate Plaza, with Hannah Sari on the phone. It happens in your life every single time. Go out there and seize the moment because every day is special. Thank you. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.